Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Time. Welcome back to Ordinary Time. My name is Alana Berg, and with me as always is Father Ian Van Heusen. How are you doing, Father? Doing well, Alana, and good to see everyone. Um, can you hear my computer, like the noise it's making? It's, it's a little a little bit. Yeah. But so, it, it stopped. Okay, yeah, because it's just, it's like overheating or something. All right, so, but anyway, it's good to see everyone. Um, yeah, so getting into, well, actually, we don't have to do the sharing thing anymore. <laughs> That's right, because I'm handling it. Normally, I would do an opening <laughs> monologue. But, you know, the first thing I will do is we'll do a little bit of an opening monologue. The first thing that kind of stuck out to me um, is something I've been saying as a theme throughout this crisis, which is that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, that's not the exact quote, but it's this idea, nothing that is hidden, nothing. Let me find the quote. I should have it on the tip of my tongue because it's such a good quote. Nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. And I think we've seen that in the midst of this crisis, and that is that it has exposed a lot of weaknesses and a lot of strengths in people. We've seen the best in people. We've seen the worst in people. And I believe that is often the case in the midst of crisis. Uh, I think this is, so the question becomes, how do we prepare for crises? And I believe the way we prepare is by constantly stretching ourselves. And I mean, it doesn't mean necessarily we have to work more hours or we have to make our life as uncomfortable as possible. But do we build in activities for ourselves and for our families that stretch us, that teach us to push through discomfort, particularly the negative emotions? Uh, by the way, I was kind of, I was a little bit of a, not a tangent, but I was thinking about the difference between temperance and fortitude. And temperance for me trains love. So like, what do you love? Um, and on an emotional level, like, what are you attracted to? Um, but also for fortitude, how do you deal with discomfort and uh, uncomfortable emotions? How do you deal with challenges and uncomfortable emotions? That that's like the primary question of the virtue, virtue of fortitude. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
Totally makes sense. Yeah, totally. According to Aquinas, fortitude regulates all of the irascible appetite and the irascible on um, the emotions, the irascible emotions, which are um, the irascible passions, which are hope, despair, fear, um, anger, and I'm missing one. Hope, despair, hope, despair, fear, courage, but courage as a as a emotion, not as the virtue. Um, and then and then um, anger. So like even for, for example, in the midst of this crisis, if your anger hijacks your reason, that's a lack of fortitude. Now, of course, we would say possibly it's a subset of fortitude. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at how Aquinas sets it up, but it's ultimately connected with the virtue of fortitude. Hmm. I think if anything, if any emotion hijacks anything, it would probably be a lack, right? Instead of yes, informing. Always. Yeah, temperance, but temperance would be like if you're if your love of comfort or pleasure, your more immediate emotions. But generally speaking, when you speak of emotions hijacking our reason, it relates to the cur- courage and fortitude. Um, which is fascinating when you think about it, because all the key to emotional intelligence is cultivating courage and fortitude. That is, um, in the in the, the midst of strong emotions, keeping your mind level. Now, of course, it, it, in Aquinas. Fortitude is is always somewhat tied with death, but that's interesting because then it's like it's almost like you know with love. So all of the lower emotions are everything is goes off of love, but then for the stronger emotions, you could say perhaps that's the value of meditation on death. That the more we meditate on our death, it, it trains the more difficult emotions. Mm. And, and you know, and last things, heaven, hell. I'm kind of. I mean, this is just an initial brainstorm. Don't hold me to it, but. Right. But but I think it's important, like going into these week's readings. I feel like these weeks weeks readings are so relevant. I feel like one of the reasons I love doing this is because if I feel like I'm able to dive into like what we're going through in the moment, and also like how the Holy Spirit works through the church and the readings, you know, and how we how we can mm-hmm. really get something from from the the scriptures, you know, to apply to our time. So, yeah. Right, are you well, ready? Let's get into the first reading. All right. For, no, first are, you, reading. are you tracking comments? Well, track- I'm on Catholic Link. Yeah. So if you're on my oh. platforms, Father Ian Van Heusen, we'll, we'll go back and we'll thank you afterwards, but we're not going to be able to interact as much. We, yeah. will, we will get that down probably in the next week or two that we'll be able to interact with all comments at once. But we still haven't gotten that down yet. Yeah. I, I'll try to go to your stream or on, on Ian Van Heusen uh facebook maybe uh when you're talking or something i can i can have both open but that means sorry twitter we're just you're you're out you're out of luck (laughs) um so are you ready jeremiah all right jeremiah said i hear the whisperings of many terror on every side denounce let us denounce him all those who are my friends are on the watch for any misstep of mine. Perhaps he will be trapped. Then we can prevail and take our vengeance on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty champion. My persecutors will stumble. They will not triumph. In their failure, they will be put to utter shame, to lasting, unforgettable confusion. O Lord of hosts, you who test the just, who probe the mind and heart. Let me witness the vengeance you take on them. 
for to you I have entrusted my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has rescued the life of the poor from the power of the wicked. All right, so in this section of Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah's inner um, battle in his in his inner crisis, kind of like a, a temptation to denounce the Lord, and then he overcomes it in his in his inner struggles of of he re- recognizes there's there are people who are who are really looking for him to fall and really trying to make him fall, um, and this is right before. Uh, Jerusalem gets taken into Babylon. Yeah. Have you ever heard, when I was in seminary, one of the things that struck me and before, like when I was younger was like, I, cause I've heard a few, even a few guys like in seminary, when we were talking about the Psalm set, this feels a little exaggerated. Like, you know, that you have all these enemies who are trying to destroy you. Of course, we know what Jeremy, it wasn't, but even how to apply that to my own life. And there is something that, you come to a certain point if you are, are, I guess it depends a little bit on your station in life, but I mean, you look around right now with how social media goes and things like that. And if you're a person of prominence, you, you legitimately have enemies, especially if you voice disagreement um, with whatever might be going on, which is, is really fascinating. Cause I, I thought about that. I was thinking about the, the CrossFit gym owner. Did you hear about that story um, where he, uh, he tweeted some things out and it got him in huge trouble. Now, to be fair, I think they were, I, I think they were objectively not very good tweets. Um, it's fascinating. A lot of these leaders, because at first I'm like, you know, I don't want to repress or I don't want to suppress like free speech. But then I look at the comments that people are making and I'm like, oh yeah, that's bad. Like <laughs> that, that's, not, I mean, it's not even like saying like, I disagree with things and here's my respectful disagreement. It's like, it's like troll behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I also think that the the behavior of it's it's especially unforgiving and and searching, literally going back for years and looking for some some sort of misstep, like mm-hmm. in in terms of social media, like going scrolling through years of tweets just yeah. to find one thing, and it's like something from you know eight years ago was maybe slightly offensive and and now that their whole life should be destroyed because of this one thing eight years ago and it to me that seems insane yeah and it shows that that no matter what you do that there's no forgiveness you can't grow you know what i mean like there's no growth allowed there's no um like eight years ago to me eight years ago i was a completely different person you know what i mean i've grown since then and and there's just no allowance for this you know, growth. So it's, it does feel like, you know, like you have to watch, you, it feels like you are being watched from every side. You know what I mean? For a misstep for, yeah. for this. Um, the availability of data is much more, which is right. I mean, a good, a good thing to say that you should watch what your kids do online, obviously. Right. And, but uh, um, just to be, you know, like terror on every side, that's what it feels like. Denounce him. You know, yeah. like that's what that's what the crowds seem to be saying mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. <laughs> so when I read this, I was like, "Whoa, this is so relevant." But even uh, with the, like, for example, the CrossFit guy. I mean, I think the challenge right now is is um, if you're a public person, is knowing your mission and staying within your mission and staying within your community 
and and being transparent a little bit with your community because i feel like a little bit like i mean as much as it's terror on every side for a lot of people um it's like interesting for us it feels like we're very well supported and um it feels like um but it's interesting that the um no i mean i think jeremy's experience was was definitely jeremiah's experience was was definitely, I mean, as fast as, yeah, but it does, I think right now the, the anxiety, I mean, they said it, they said it in like 20, 30 years ago, that this is the age of anxiety. And now it's like the era of post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> where, like, people are traumatized, which I'm always surprised by because I still, in the midst of all of this, I still find social media incredibly fun and engaging like every single day. Right. Like, but, yeah. but not just social media. It's terror on every side. There's a pandemic. There's looting and rioting. So it's not just like I oh, might yeah. lose my job because I say the wrong thing. Ten, you know, eight years ago I said the wrong thing. For you know, it might not have been wrong then, but it's wrong now. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't age well. Um, and it's just everywhere you turn. It seems like insanity. You know. So it's like, and I just love how, he, like he expresses this and then says but i have the lord and he is my champion you know and that's where i feel like yes this is where our strength comes from and how how we catholics should stand in that should really like lean into that trust in the lord and and just preach christ right yeah and and i mean going back to i mean i think there's also a sense of well, what do you stand for and what do you stand on? Because like the difference between Jeremiah and the CrossFit gym owner is he made a tweet that he wasn't willing to defend and back up. Like he wasn't like he just maybe he'd had a couple of beers or something and just said something stupid that he thought would be funny um, troll like behavior. But like with Jeremiah and what we should stand for is, is recognizing you should stand for things like you should be willing to risk everything for that, which you care most about depending on your job, depending on your circumstances which I think is a little bit of a difference. See, that's the thing is I, I do think there is something about it where it's like, but this is also the beauty of my role as a priest and celibate clergy and priesthood, which is this, this idea of you don't care about anything. You're willing to die. You're willing to go all of the way. Like, for example, I mean, I think even because I, I was saying about with my own comments recently about racism and some of the strong statements I've made that I'm not a big fan of the, the language of white privilege and systematic racism. You've, you've seen me talk about that. And I realized with some of those stands that, that that could, I could lose a lot of people. I could lose everything. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know, but that's, that's like, that's, I have to accept that risk. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be silent. Like that's, and it's also partly my job too. I mean, my job is to be like Jeremiah versus, I mean, not saying that everybody else's job is the same thing, but that's my job. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you have your mission and you've been ordained. So you're already within that particular yeah. point in your life where you can be like, okay, well, I'm going to be, I'm in a place where I can do this, um, yeah. where other people might feel not as secure. Exactly. Um, Which is another great case for celibate clergy, by the way, because I don't know. I mean, first of all, I don't know how my wife would feel if I had a wife and kids, like how they would feel about me being talking so much. That's a one and like spending so much time doing this stuff. That's like, you know, other issues. Um, but then also just like putting your family at risk. Right. Right. Um, right. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think I it's a problem. The past few days, 
because I've been working with a few people. We're kind of, we're going to be doing some stuff next week. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if I'm going to lose like some people to work with because of how I, what the stands I've taken, you know, just kind of examining my heart on that and being like, well, you know, it was worth it. I still think it's worth it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think. Cause in- I know, I know I've already lost a, a few collaborations. I've definitely lost Really, what they were, but yeah, definitely. No, that's too bad. Not even by people who disagree with me. They're just like, they're like, father, uh, you can't do it right now because of some of the things you said. Wow. Yeah. Well, at this point, I just, you know, I've been clinging to the creed a lot because it just feels like so much chaos and I don't know what to believe when it comes to the media. And it just seems like people want you to say what they want you to say. And I just keep thinking like, okay, I believe in one God, the father almighty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, it's just where I'm, where I am right now, just clinging to the creed and paying attention to what's well, happening. I mean, I mean, there's a little bit, I mean, that's a great insight. And the, and, and St. Ignatius would back that up, right? He would say in time of desolation, you know, cling to the creed examination of your conscience. I like to do that sometimes. Like when I'm feeling like swirling, because also I don't want to fault anybody who's who's talking publicly, but how do I put this? How do I put this? It is very clear right now that there are multiple perspectives within my diocese on how the bishop or what the bishop said and what he didn't say and what the government has said and didn't say. I feel comfortable and confident in what I've said, but you definitely feel like it's like a war of words going on right now. Um, and and to be fair, I think both all sides are 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 definitely promoting their view, which I don't. That's not like that's not a problematic thing that's to be expected, but it definitely gets you a little fired up, right? I mean, just does, guys. I mean, there's there's parishes and there's parishes that are saying the diametrically opposite thing of what we're saying in my current situation, and you're just like, you're like, uh, one of us is wrong. I mean, just one of us is just flat out wrong. Um, but it's tough now, not to say all both of us are wrong in what we're doing, but like people are making claims that like, this is what the Bishop said. And this is what the government said. I'm like, I looked at the same documents. I've asked people behind the scenes. I don't think that's what they're saying. (laughs) There's there's, it's like, I've tried not to like directly say that as much, but like, it's, 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 it's an uncomfortable time. Let's just say that it's very uncomfortable time. Yeah. It's, and it is, you know, it is, we are created for this time, right? Not for comfort, but for greatness. And, uh, and it, I feel like it's so interesting because like the, the, the triumph comes in, in confusion of the enemy, but also we have to like work through that confusion too. It seems like, cause it seems like it's like, what is the truth right now? It feels so chaotic that i'm like i don't even know what to believe in terms of of news so i'm just like i will stick to my core beliefs in you know in our our faith and that's what i'm gonna rely on because i feel like like blown in the wind i feel like everything's being blown in the wind and it's so so much chaos that i'm just like all right. Well, I know what I can trust in and I can trust in the Lord. So that's where I'm coming. Yeah. No, I will say this. I, I, I 
agree with the emotional side of things that emotions are kind of all over the place. But paradoxically, I feel like I've grown so much clarity in how I see things. Like even I would love to, I mean, cause I, I talked with you about talking about the racism thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the language of it, cause I've been reading a lot of Aquinas has just become very clear in my mind. Um, it's become like Aquinas is becoming clearer and clearer. Like it, it all started uh, like divine mercy Sunday where I had that dream where suddenly Aquinas on mercy and justice like clicked in my head. Like I woke up, I was like, I got to read this. Like I, I didn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't fully formulated, but like intuitively it just clicked. Mm-hmm. And, and then just from there, so much stuff is just clicking in my head. Um, right. um, when it comes to a lot of different things. Um, and I don't know. I, I still don't know where I'm going with it. I mean, I, I've, I don't think I'm going to go off the reservation anyway, but I was very, I've been very torn about some things. I did a baptism in the old, right. And I won't say it was like particularly like good. I mean, I think my Latin needs improvement and like my understanding of the rubrics. I might've done a few little things wrong. It was valid. valid. <laughs> <laughs> I told, I joked around with the people there. I'm like, by the way, just so you know, as long as I do this one part, right, it's valid. So if you see another baptism in the old right and like I screwed this up, please, you know, be nice and gentle. But even they like there was a version that you can do some of the prayers in English and like and then I repeated some of the prayers that I did in Latin. And it's just it's have you ever have you read through the prayers of the old Baptist? You, you should sometime like read through a translation. They're just so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. like get thee Satan from this child. And mm-hmm. nice. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's very powerful. Um and then the people there felt like it was very powerful. Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, and they weren't like particularly traditional. A few folks were, the parents were more traditional leaning, but other people were kind of just typical people. I've been surprised that like some of the, the more traditional things, like how much they resonate with people when they're putting out with a caveat, when they're presented in a nice way. <laughs> When they're presented in a friendly way, you're not mm-hmm. laughing. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I also feel like I'm, I'm drawn to that, but at the same time, it does depend on the presentation and it d- does depend on the explanation. And yeah. So I understand like the, 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 um, the draw of reverence and the draw of tradition, you know, and, and really clinging to our roots in that way. Totally get, yeah. totally get it. Yeah. I'll be curious. I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking about going through and looking at the, uh, the, the last rites and doing the last rites more often in the old, right. I got, I got, got research and brainstorm it. Um, that's kind of where I'm at, but it's like, but like, uh, even when I looked at the old funeral, the current funeral, right. Doesn't mention, mention how once the old funeral, right. Mentions it like multiple times. Hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the, um, I think that's part of the problem right now. Um, I'm not sure. This isn't, don't worry. I'm not going to become like a city of or SSPX. I'm not going into schism, but um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's get into the second. Well, oh, sorry. All right. It's okay. Um, Eugenia is watching. Thank you, Eugenia, for saying hello to us. And on your page, um, it says, um, 
It says, hello, uh, Nora Jean Hare says, hello, Father Ian and Alana. God bless you both. Pr prayers for us all. Lord, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Amen. Thank you, Nora Jean. So, let's let's see. see. I'm curious to see if the other ones are, how they're doing. Let's see. Because um, we're all over the place, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know where else you posted. I, don't, I have no control anymore of the posting. Yeah. Well, we'll get it. We'll, we'll have a, we'll figure out a way to like do it where we can do it. Like all of them, all the comments at once. That's the cool thing, man. Tim's working the technology end of stuff. So, yeah. I, well, go. all right. So ro uh, re second readings from Romans mm -hmm. brothers and sisters through one man, sin entered the world and through sin, death and thus death came to all men inasmuch as all sinned. For up to the time of the law, sin was in the world. Though sin is not accounted when there is no law, but death reigned from Adam to Moses, and over, even over those who did not sin, after the pattern of the trespass of Adam, who is the type of the one who is to come. But the gift is not like the transgression, for by, for if by the transgression of the one the many the many died. How much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the presentation of Adam and the new Adam and how he, how Adam brought sin into the world and Christ saved us from our slavery to this, to sin. Um, hey, so I want, I want, so this is getting an original sin, right? And which makes me think we're talking about justice. We're talking about punishment. Would you say right now in the Catholic world, it is generally considered a, a bad thing Then people will try to avoid this at all costs to say that all evil is a punishment from God, like COVID. And hopefully this isn't, I'm not like putting you on the spot and like being controversial. Um, I don't, I don't know what other people would say. But I mean, when you hear that initially. Like I the, think that that's probably more something that would, I would hear from a Protestant. Yeah. So Aquinas does say all, all, all evil is a punishment for sin in one way or another. So there's like, but he distinguishes, oh, I just froze. Work on that. All right. So, but he talks about, well, he talks about it's either, let me see if I can get the distinctions right. So there's punishment for the for a actual sin. So there's the effects of the, the sin. And there's um, other punishments related to that. There's what he calls a medicinal punishment, which is that God allows us to undergo an evil and a created thing to help us learn to rely more on an eternal thing, right? So you lose your job and um, you, you undergo an evil, like losing your job, losing your career, losing your health. And God allows that to attach you to a greater good. Now, by the way, caveat, if somebody is suffering, please do not explain this to them. This is not, this is not how you do pastoral counseling. You don't say, well, Aquinas says you're being punished by God. Uh, okay. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but I mean, how you get people to, but when you're, when you're in a place of consolation or when you're in a place of freedom, relative freedom, you can ponder these things and see the wisdom of them and, and experience a kind of illumination. Cause I've, I've been really thinking a lot about, I've been really more motivated than ever before to like pray a rosary every day um, to alleviate the punishments of sin. Like not that I'm trying to avoid all suffering in my life, 
but even but yeah so anyway so he says the the medicinal and that's even the the wisdom of the saints where they embrace pain and they they ask to participate and then it says can um can your sins affect other people and it's also can your can your penance affect other people and of course the answer is yes that's the idea of suffering for the sake of other people's sins and that's at the heart of what jesus did um his atonement um but yeah, Aquinas says that all evils are, and well, then there's the effects of original sin. There are punishments due to original sin, I believe as Lady puts it. Yeah. Um, and there's all, but it's only, it's allowed in order to bring greater glory. Exactly. It's never. So I think that's important. Like, and, and even when faith. punishment for sin, he said, like, for example, if children are punished for the bad mistakes of their parents, think about this, like a crack addict has a baby the baby is suffering because of her sins. And Aquinas says that this is always allowed for a greater good um, for the conversion of the mother and the conversion of the child. Right. Um, and, it, and it is quite the tragedy when that doesn't happen and it's just suffering. It's yeah. The greatest tragedy I think is this, is what? you know, is the suffering without conversion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, and that's the thing is, is, is everything's oriented towards conversion and towards our relationship with the Lord. Um, yeah. And even so, I mean, I, I'd have to look back and maybe this would be a good thing to tie in with Job. Um, Job Cause Job's a really fascinating thing because he's held up as the righteous man, but he suffers evil and it's a kind of medicinal type thing. I think even Aquinas might even mention Job. Um, yeah. So I've been reading what? a lot of Aquinas lately. <laughs> so I actually read, just got a, a book. About Aquinas, I'm pretty excited. Have you ever tried to read Aquinas directly? Um, a little bit. I can only take a little bit at it. It's just really dense. Yeah, <laughs> really. Well, I mean, that's I read like a paragraph at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I just got this call, book called Resilience and the Virtue of Fortitude, Aquinas in Dialogue with the psych, Psychosocial Sciences. Cool. That's what. Cool. Yeah, you know, I think it could be a challenge reading Aquinas is if you didn't study philosophy. Like, because you get the whole form matter distinctions and some of these distinctions he makes that mm -hmm. like, like where he talks about the form versus the matter of a thing or right. act and potency and things like that. Right. Um, but. but yeah, so, but, but I think it's important and I think relating it to like what we've been talking about in, in like relevant to our, to this moment in our time, I feel like it's a, a struggle between sin and and being released from that from the pattern in the slavery to sin and that's not what people want to be focusing on no um just want to focus on the sin and not the fact that we can be released from it we can be forgiven and that's what christ came to do to to reconcile us to god and reconciliation is just not something that people want to hear about right now mm-hmm they don't want to forgive. They don't want to be reconciled. They don't want to come together. It's not what's on on the table right now. Um, Here's something to think about with that. You're, you're right. Does reconciliation require an overarching authority? So like, like let's say hypothetically something happens in our church or in your church world. Um, something public happens in the community, a fight between two people. And they're, they're at each other's throats and the authority intervenes and talks with both. And then the, when the, cause this is actually starting to get at my understanding of like, 
Because justice, when you start to emphasize justice, like not in the sense of, you know, excluding mercy, but really trying to understand how justice works, then confession makes sense. Then the authority of the church starts to make sense. Because when those two people are mad at each other, there's, there's, if there's an overarching authority, let's say, let's say one person steals from another person um, and they're mad at each other, they're angry. And the, the authority intervenes. And let's say the one asks for forgiveness, but the other person refuses. Like they, they, they want to exceed the law. They want to exceed the demands of justice. They're like, I want to take his name. I want to take his livelihood. I want to take everything, like, which is what we're doing right now. It's almost behooven on the authority to say, no, justice has been served. And now you are being unjust. Like that can only come from a greater authority. Um, now, right now, and in the United States, because we live in a democracy, that authority is more persuasion. It's not a literal authority that can, you know, yeah or nay. I mean, there is a sense of the judicial system, but in the court of public opinion, as long as there's one person that's or a hundred people that are still radically mad, the the story goes on, right? And the mm-hmm. story keeps stirring. Yeah, that's there's almost that's like a role of authority. And the classical traditional mind um, was to say enough, you know, this mm-hmm. is on um, this person is reconciled. And in um, this time of trauma, like, cause I agree with you, this is definitely the PTSD moment in the world. And we literally have just endured two traumas in our culture, pandemic and, and the witness of the execution of a man basically is like, that's how I see it. It's traumatizing to our culture and that's how people are responding. And understanding that, that that's how people are responding and taking justice into their own hands and, and bringing it to the point of injustice in a way, um, because there hasn't, because the, the justice of the law has not, um, it doesn't work fast enough for people. Well, um, and well it's funny, they're not satisfied. It was that idea of satisfaction, like satisfaction for sin. So it's like, how do we heal? How do we reconcile? And I feel like that is probably the hardest question to ask right now, let alone even answer. Because it's like, how do we reconcile when when there's never enough? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my answer is always going to be Jesus. And that's the idea of penance, right? Mm-hmm. that there has to be a satisfaction for an injustice. Yeah. Um, we just don't view sins as being injustices. If we like them, enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> the sins we enjoy, they're not really like injustices. They're not Unless hurt. they're against other people. And then, then it's like, oh, okay. It's yeah. all, it's all perspective. You know, it's like this whole thing is all like perspective and, and nuance and, and how, you know, how do people see these things and, really is about like one thing can bring great evil into the world and Christ is the answer to all of it. Yeah. And this is where I think a little bit of the, um, and and I'm not being critical when I say this, because I think there's a role for this, but the self-help spirituality is, is not always helpful in this circumstance because we're dealing concretely with things of justice and law and order. And you can't just like, cause even like I had somebody recently ask me a question about their workers, their business and what they were doing with the wages. And the person said, well, I turned to prayer and God told me that everything is good. 
I was like, I can accept that at a certain point. But I said to the person, there is a technical answer, right? Justice is not just about feeling good. Um, just There's principles of justice, and we have to understand, well, what does justice really mean? Um, and that's even what Paul is getting at. It's really hard right now to explain to people the idea that that justice is, is connected with your relationship with God. Um, that's actually the t- traditional understanding of religion and piety is it relates to justice. Like you owe God something. You owe God your life. You, go, you owe God everything, technically. Um, and you owe him more than that because he's done more for you than you could ever, than you could ever repay. That's the idea of piety. Same with your parents, by the way, if you didn't know that, and your government. Um, which, is, piety, which is why we have the, the um, commandment to honor our mother and father, because we can't okay. give them back what they've given us, which is life. Exactly. So. Um, but, All right. But yeah, the, the, but that's, I mean, I want to go back to the reading just two seconds, because we veered from it a little bit, but it was talking about law and sin and um, death, but right. Well, now the, the 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 idea of gift does get into the idea of mercy. So Aquinas says mercy is a kind of gift that you give that exceeds the law. So that's a, a key concept. So when God, the mercy is at the foundation of all creation, according to Aquinas, because God brought us into existence out of nothing. He didn't owe us anything, but when He creates us and He creates our nature. There are certain things that are due, that that we are owed because of our nature, because of the way He created us. But that was a pure. The mercy was first from the creation of all things. It's a, a complete gift, um, and and the same with salvation. It's it's unmerited, um, except through the merits of Christ, um, and then we merit an increase of grace as we respond. But the initial gift of grace is unearned. Right, and and do you think that that brings us to like when it comes to the balance between justice and mercy? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm still trying to work out how to explain this. The way I, I think about it right now is according to Aquinas on the metaphysical level, um, on the metaphysical level, justice is what is due something due to its nature. Mercy is provides for a defect um, and, and, and provides for that, which is not present or a defect and is not tied with justice, but the two complement each other. Now, I think on the human level, the experience of mercy is an emotion, according to Aquinas. It's a movement of the heart. It's a pity for another's misery, um, which is a little bit different from, well, we can talk about Jesus's mercy because he takes on our human nature. So I'm still trying to work this out in my head, and then I got to work out on how to communicate it. So right now I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but it's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's starting <laughs> well, to come clear in my head. What's up? It's hard to communicate complex things that you can you can think about in in ways that's more difficult to express. Yeah, and just remember that threefold distinction, right? There's mercy as a virtue tied with justice. There's mercy on the metaphysical on God level, called the God level. Hey, there we go, God level. And then um, that's what that's a good way of putting the metaphysical. And then there's the emotion of mercy. Um, the passion, we, the compassion we feel for somebody who's suffering, mm-hmm. um, which can be disordered because it's an emotion. Right. Which is often sometimes when people say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? And that is true sometimes that bad things happen to good people. 
but a lot of times bad things happen to imperfect people. Um, yeah. Cause aren't we all? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and, and expecting perfection out of others, but exception for yourself, it, it seems to also be a theme. Yeah. That, that if you speak, you must be perfect or don't speak or say what I tell you to say, because that's how you will get by. And that was that really just that. we we expect higher standards of people we disagree with. Like when we disagree with somebody, that's when we're like, well, you don't have a right to speak because of this, that, or the other thing. I think that is a theme that's happening, but I also think we expect people to have higher standards whom we hold to be authority, especially like, uh, ser- like servants, like public servants, like yeah. the police, like priests. We expect, we do expect perfection out of them because when they fall, it is our, you know, like expectation of, of, you know, whatever it is that they hold for us, it has been, you know, like let down. So I, I texted you the other day thing, cause that's what I was thinking about. Like how interesting well, I think, it is. I think, it, I think going back to not to make it psych, completely psychological, but I think that the idea of a father wound or your relationship with a father relates to that. Hmm. Um, um, people who I, I, I would, I would bet a money the people who, who are not understanding of authority did not have good relationships with their father, generally speaking. I, I, yes. I bet money. But I, but in, yeah. But specifically, I'm thinking like when when there is police brutality or if if a priest is abusive, that is like a a, a farther fall from grace in the public eye than a normal person who is br- a brutal or a normal person who is abusive. Yeah. It's just in general, cause we cause they are there to serve, but at the same time have authority. It's just a, it's, I think it's more of a a fall and more of a heartbreak for the people because you're supposed to trust them. And then that trust is broken. And then how, how do you have this relationship? You know what I mean? It's this kind of similar relationship brokenness. Um, And that's, it's complex. It's like our communities are so complex. It's hard to just, Besides just saying, okay, you need, everyone needs Jesus. That's still complex. <laughs> yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it, like tying in with what you said is a lot of it is because of what they represent because they do represent, they represent authority and they represent ultimately they, 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 they we project onto authority. Um, okay. Good stuff. Let's get into the gospel. All right. From Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve, fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy the both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows so sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. 
everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly father. But whoever denies me before father before others, I will deny before my heavenly father. Okay. No. Excuse me. Um, so this is definitely, you know, relates to what we've been talking about, especially, obviously, the first reading of, of don't denounce the Lord, you know, because the, the terror and the, and the temptation was to denounce in the first reading. And, and Christ is telling us, don't be afraid. Even if they want to kill you, even if they want to tear you apart and cancel culture, everything, they can't kill your soul unless you allow it, right? Unless you fall into the, de the despair, which is the temptation of the devil. Mm. So. Mm. There's so much. Uh, there's so <laughs> much. Why don't you, points of the out, like, I don't want to, because I keep kind of starting things off. Um, well, I think that it, there is so much. It's really hard. Um, nothing is concealed that will not be revealed. So, so kind of in how, I guess, how I'm feeling about like how things seem chaotic and it's hard to, t to see through the craziness right now. Well, I mean, a question for you. I mean, and this is crisis the past three months. I don't know. Cause I was talking about this with somebody I was, I was talking about with uh, some, some uh, family. I said, people always assume that evil people are um, unpleasant to be around. Right. Like, would would dinner with Hitler have been an unpleasant experience? I would harbor a guess that having dinner with Hitler might have actually been quite a fun experience because I actually think he might have been great conversation, very sociable. Like, I, I mean, I know I've known many people who I now I'm on the other side of the equation from them that were very pleasant to talk with. Um, being pleasant and being agreeable does not is not necessarily the mark of holiness or even being nice because like we can be nice to we to people we generally agree with and like right um and, and you often when i talk about this with the family they say oh yeah i mean because how do those people who rise to power how do they rise to power often it's because they're agreeable that they get people to buy into their ideas and they get people to support them and to like them right mm -hmm. that's like whole like the whole thing dennis rodman having dinner with kim john il have you have you seen those articles? Where um, he like, I I heard that he visited. Yeah, he like partied with Kim Jong Il. He's like, oh, yeah, he's a fun guy to hang out with. I'm like, yeah, unless I mean, when you're an American basketball player, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think I don't know. I think it depends on when you're in in terms of history, like when and. But, but I mean, I going know, back, I don't to think point, though, there's a lot of people I think before this crisis that you had in your life that were that were nice and agreeable. And then like during the midst of this crisis, they completely fell apart or they completely were just like changed. Right. Like, yeah, well, that's and, definitely true. And yeah, that's what, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Okay. It, I mean, you use such of, an extreme example. It was hard for me to relate to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, do, you, do you seriously don't know anybody in your life that like, like I know one person in my life that in a former life, it's kind of public knowledge the person has been public, publicly exonerated by a technicality was for all intensive purposes, a terrorist. And there's like, kind of like a leftist extremist. And like I said, I said, we got along great. She was kind of like a mentor. Everybody looked up to her in the community. 
But I do believe now that if she had to, for the sake of the revolution, she would probably slit my throat. Like just, you know, I think that's the kind of person the person is. And, um, but they're very agreeable to have dinner with. I don't know. Right. Is that talking? Um, I don't have any of those experiences. <laughs> I can't um, relate on that level, I guess. Yeah. I don't have, but I do have experience of the last three months where somebody who um, completely like decided like, well, I'm not worth, you know, talking to anymore and not for anything actually like significant, but because I wanted to go to confession and yeah. it was a pandemic and it was like, apparently that's worth no longer talking to me anymore because yeah. I wanted to kill everyone with my yeah, so so there was there's dramatic examples. It's just it's really like, but this a lot of it is this. It's easy in times of comfort and ease and relative prosperity for people to be nice to each other. It's much harder to be empathetic and understanding, especially people you disagree with, right now, right? Yeah, especially with everything going on, like it's. So I can just keep my mouth shut most of the time, except for now that I'm on Facebook Live with my mouth not shut. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just, it's really difficult to to harness all of the grace that's given because there is so much grace, right? When there is evil abounds, grace abounds all the more. Like, I know that and I am able to like pray for it and pray that I can accept it properly and, and do the will of God and, and actively think about stuff like that. I don't know how many other people think about things like that. That's something I think about um, because I, I don't want to create more chaos, right? I don't want to add to the chaos by trying to do something right, but then I just fail by failing at, <laughs> at it. I, you, you hit on something you said, I get to think about things don't be like, be amazed at the fact that you're given the gift to think about things. Cause I realize that a lot of people don't think about things. They don't talk about things. <laughs> Cause like I was talking about with, um, we were talking about like online discussions and stuff like that. In-person discussions with people you disagree with are not that dramatically different from online discussions. But my sister pointed out, she's like, but how many people regularly talk with people they disagree with and like have philosophical conversations. And it's like, Big, I mean, there's some people, but there's a few and it's rare. And sometimes, you know, it's extremely mentally difficult to, to do that. Yeah. And a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it also, from my perspective, what I've learned is you have to not like take things personal and go personal. Cause that's what a recent, I was in a recent um, a group conversation and, and people that even people who disagree with me, like, man, People were being really ugly to you, like saying some really terrible things. And I just tried to keep it like, okay, I'm just going to pretend like they didn't just say that. I'm just going to act like I'm just responding to the ideas. Not like, you know, not mm -hmm. saying like, you know, you're a jerk too. You're a potty mouth and you know, whatever. <laughs> and th was this a, a Facebook group? Post? No, it's a post? group. Oh, okay. You're not in the group. Or, uh, Are the uh, discussion? Catholic, Catholic creatives group. I'm in that group, but I don't think I saw them that. Yeah. But um, um, it's fine. Well, I just. It's, there was also one in, in one of your other groups that I, I stayed away from. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I feel like this is a hot. I don't want to get emotionally invested. In this. 
different from my platforms is that very, very rarely does somebody attack me on my own platforms because like I kind of am in charge. I mean, it's like my platform. So like, you know, you're there to like hear what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, right. most of it's me. I mean, and there's a few other people, but most of it's, but yeah, it was another group and um, yeah, people were calling for my head and stuff as Catholic creatives. And, uh, and uh, what was fascinating was um, the, what was I going to say? What, what really fascinates me and surprises me is there are people out there who legitimately seem to like not be aware that there's people who disagree with them who are not complete idiots. Like, and it's like, I mean, did you, did you think that like everybody who disagreed with you was like, you know, a KKK member or something or whatever, whatever the other group might be? It's like, did you not think that there might be like intelligent disagreements with some things? Right. Like, or information that you haven't, didn't know about or hadn't processed. Yeah. Um, then, I mean, I, they it's said, easier to, it's easier to denounce people if you just think they're, you know what I mean? If that's just what you decide about people, you don't have to to mentally go through their, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to think about it if you just think that they're dumb. It's, yeah. it's just a way to mentally um, reject what they say, no matter what. Yeah. And it is clear a lot of, in a lot of comments that it is funny that, you know, the, the thoughts of many may be revealed, what is hidden will be revealed. It, sometimes you do get, I mean, I get comments from people. They're like, Oh father, you know, you really should research this more before you talk. I'm like, how, how, how do you know I didn't? I'm just like, yeah. I mean, every now and then they I, wanted I, you to say, I think in the past six months, I've said to somebody that I felt like maybe they hadn't researched everything because it was just clear that they were speaking from their own experience. I tried to gently bring it up and they got mad and they just shut me down. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's like a weird thing to like assume about somebody. That's like, have you ever seen the classic one where somebody says, this article really does not understand the dynamics of this person um, that the article is writing about. And somebody sits back and says, who are the you to talk about it? You're, you're, you're a nobody. And then the person wrote back, the article is about me. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, or I wrote the article or whatever, you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. Dynamics when like somebody's like, well, who are you to talk about it? And it's like, well, I'm this or, you know, it's- yeah. Like I actually am somebody to talk about it, but they didn't even do the research to even know that. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. I mean, and then the, the funny thing is like some group discussions, they don't realize I'm a priest because Facebook says not to put your title. And I know you can sneak your title in there with father or whatever, but I tried to like play by the rules, you know, because I just wasn't sure what consequences would come if you didn't play by the rules. So sometimes on comments, it just comes up as Ian Van Heusen and somebody right. be like, as a lay person, you have no right to talk. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Right. Assuming. Assuming. And like, you didn't even just like go to my profile for like two seconds. (laughs) Look at your profile picture. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult, difficult time, but I feel like (sighs) the another like cry of my heart is like, how long, oh Lord. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be for a while, man. (laughs) How long, oh Lord. This is going to be. Do not hear our cry. (laughs) This is going to be a crazy year, man. This is going to be a crazy year. I don't, I, I, yeah. I counted the Sunday. I like, I was like, okay, it's the 12th Sunday of ordinary time. How many actually, how many actual Sundays have we survived of this year? 25. This coming Sunday will be 25 Sundays. (laughs) 
because okay so we're almost half almost halfway through the year it's gonna be a crazy year it, it already is a crazy i mean it feels i mean the jokes and the memes about like what's for next month you know what i mean like what's the insane thing that's gonna have ne- happen next month and i'm the like election is well i mean that's not until november i know it's coming <laughs> a lot like what's gonna happen in july people are like aliens i call aliens well, for july and, and i'm like thinking about with greenville what's gonna happen when the college students are back because like college students add a whole nother crazy dimension to it yeah yeah and, and uh, oh my gosh so i i've been praying so hard so like definitely i've been doing my rosary every day and i've been just praying really hard for everything praying for the country praying for our lady praying for our priests praying for our families you know and thanksgiving praying and thanksgiving like yeah. those are my five things yeah i got a question for you a little bit of your anxiety and fear do you like is it a struggle for you is that you don't feel like your community is handling things well you don't feel like connected and like together um you're frozen oh. and i feel like the anxiety doesn't as much come from the church right now it comes from people not being able to handle the chaos yeah it comes from people who aren't tied to, to christ and to god because they they don't know how to handle this that scares me this whole time has scared me more than anything else that makes sense thanks so so it's less less about and also we've been like open for like nine weeks yeah so there's been much more grace flowing but you know like sacraments have been being have been received people have have come into the church you know the kids have gotten their first communions so like we're, we're coming into a little bit more of a normal sphere um even though there's no you know summer activities for the kids but you know like one step at a time i guess so in terms of chaos it's in the public sphere underground vacation bible it's happening i'm i'm seeing moms being like all right i'm gonna do this you know like a few kids and (laughs) i'm just gonna have this on they got the fist on the poster (laughs) Master, yeah, BBS. At- <laughs> <laughs> this year we're training our kids how to be revolutionaries. But yeah, yeah, like no more. <laughs> we're having our vacation Bible study. Come heck or high water. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and, and because the amount that the kids learn and retain from VBS is so much higher than a whole year's worth of RE, which says a lot about everything. Yeah. and you know format and how kids retain things and all of that but they remember mm-hmm. way and, and obtain more through these this type of program than it than they do through the whole school year um so it's important to the moms to be like okay well for my child's faith i will sacrifice my time and energy to make sure that they get this which i think is awesome i say more power to you that's awesome absolutely so all right well, we're, we're at an end let's end with a prayer okay um uh, wait priscilla schmidt says very true and i believe she said that when we were talking when you said uh about how to just be thankful that i have the ability to think about thinking and um and she also said assume is a bad word lol <laughs> <laughs> it is <laughs> so all right. it's also a bad action to assume 
All right. All right, let's close with prayer. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless all who will watch or listen to this. Help them to draw closer to your Son, Jesus Christ. In the midst of this chaos, give them peace. We pray for our bishops, our priests, our leaders, our government leaders, our police officers. We pray for all those who are exercising their First Amendment rights, that protests will be kept safe and secure, that violence will, will not reign in our streets. We ask you to bless our country and all who will watch or listen to this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Hold up a second a while. Have a good week, everyone. So take me to the fountain by I seek. It's welling up, it's welling up in me, me. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www dot grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia experience coffee like never before